1: Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Brad Meltzer
0: is the number one New York Times bestselling author of thrillers like The Escape Artist. Nonfiction books like The First Conspiracy, The Secret Plot to Kill George Washington, gift books like Heroes for My Son and Heroes for My Daughter, and the Ordinary People Change the World series, which he's here today to discuss. Brad, nice to have you back. I went down a Brad Meltzer hole this weekend. I'll tell you where I ended up. I ended up uh, at the University of Michigan Law School, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, you delivering a commencement address and telling the story. I think his name was Eli Siegel. What am I making reference to? Uh,
2: yeah, so I gave the commencement address at the University of Michigan Law School and my first job in Washington, D.C. I-, I love you, Michael, because I've never told this story to anyone on air anywhere is um, Eli Siegel was my first mentor, was uh, ran AmeriCorps back in the day when AmeriCorps first launched. And my first job out of law school was a speechwriter for him. And my first assignment was to write his commencement address at the University of Michigan Law School. So I get up there now 20-something years later, and I said, I've already given this address before. I can't remember anything as a 22-year-old kid 24 year old kid that I wrote when I wrote this speech for him, but I reread the speech and it had one line in there that jumped out and it said 20 years from now, one of you will be given this commencement address. One of you lucky ones and whoever it is will be just that lucky. And I was the lucky one who was able to do it all those years later.
0: It's like out of a Brad Meltzer novel.
2: I, I, I my wife said, it sounds like something you made up and I yeah. had to show her the speech because she almost didn't believe it. And I said, I was When I gave the address, I was in tears. If you look on the YouTube video of it, because, you know, I'm a guy who was the first in my family to go to a four-year college. You know, this is not, this was, I never thought I would make it to college, much less law school. And this one guy who takes a chance on me. And we all have that mentor that, you know, was the first person who told us we were good at something. The first person who took a chance on us. If I can leave you with anything today thank that person, find them, track them down and thank them. Uh, even if they passed away, has passed away a few years ago, but f- find their sons and daughters and thank them. I'm still in touch with his kids. We still support a scholarship in his name, but those people changed our lives. And I'm so thankful that, you know, he took a chance on me, some kid and said, you can write kid, you know, here, here you go. And to be able to do that and give it at Michigan and then find out that I worked on that actual speech is, is again, something you can't make up.
0: It it would have been a great story if you had simply worked for someone and crafted a commencement address for them at any university or any law school. But the idea that Eli Siegel delivered a commencement address that you helped write at that law school, and now here you are having (laughs) inserted the line that says 20 years from now, it could be you. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was almost as good. This first job out of school, when you work for this guy, almost as good as scooping ice cream in Aventura. That's the story. And, That's the story that I thought and, you were going to ask
2: me. It's the best story I got.
0: And becoming the manager. By the way, did you did you have the gig at fourteen, and then you were the manager at sixteen? I can't remember.
2: I, I did. I had to give a, I gave a fake uh, birth date because I had to work. I just needed the money. So I started working in ice cream at fourteen. I started working at haagen at fifteen, and they made me the manager at sixteen. And it was, uh, and and again, it was because everyone was stealing. All the managers were stealing because they were older guys who had families to support. And so I we went, my buddy and I went and said, "Listen, we're we're sixteen. We're training everyone. You keep firing, and we're never going to steal from you. Why don't you make us the manager?" So the guy at haagen in the Aventura Mall says, "You know what." it's 1986. You're the manager, Brad. I'm like, okay, great. So my friend, Nick and I are the managers. This woman comes up, she's snapping her fingers at me to get my attention. I said, ma'am, you know, just wait one second. She said, like, I want you to help me. I'm like, ma'am, just give me a second. And she starts yelling, you need to help me now. And I said, ma'am, why don't you just take your business elsewhere? where we're not going to serve you here today? She's like, you're going to serve me. You better show." I said, ma'am, I'm not serving. She goes, I want to see the manager. I said, hold on. I, I'll get him." I look over my own shoulder. I look back at her and I say, can I help you? And she says, you're not the manager. I said, I'm the manager. I'm a 16-year-old kid. And she she says, you know what, kid? You're going to be working at this miserable Haagen-Dazs for the rest of your miserable life. And I looked her straight in the eye and I said, ma'am, if I'm working here for the rest of my miserable life, you're still never getting any ice cream. And I'm usually one of those guys, Michael, that that I can't think of the good line in the moment I think of it like five hours later in the shower. In that moment, I had the line. I had, God gave me that line that day on that moment. And it just was, I, I, I used to be mad at that woman. But now I do thank that woman because she taught me how to use my drive to, to push myself out of that spot.
0: Good for you. Um, okay, we're not here to discuss your, your University of Michigan Law School commencement address, although those are great stories. Ordinary people change the world. How did this whole series come to life?
2: You know, it was my kids. I I was writing thrillers and mysteries, and I loved doing that. You know, got letters from my dear friend President Bush. You know, may rest in peace. And you know, even from Bill Clinton saying they liked the books. They had invited me down to Houston and to the White House and all these places. But I had kids, and I wanted to give my kids better heroes to look up to. And you know, I tell my kids all the time, you know, being a famous business person doesn't make you a hero. You got to think of someone besides yourself. And so we started with, "I'm Amelia Earhart. I am Abraham." I am Lincoln. We did. I am Rosa Parks. My son loves sports. I was like, you know what? Forget a millionaire overpaid athlete. What about this guy Jackie Robinson? We did for him, and we've done now. This is the ten year anniversary of these books. Um, On the ten year anniversary, we have I am Ruth Bader Ginsburg and and I am Mister Rogers. And um, I love the fact that for ten years now, seven million people have come along with us on this journey, using them. You know, it's a children's book series for kids. You know, five to twelve years old but just telling their stories and collecting and building libraries of real heroes for their kids and their grandkids and nieces and nephews.
0: Your illustrator, is it pronounced Iliopolis?
2: Yeah, Chris Eliopolis. He's our secret weapon. He, he really is. I mean, listen, the drawings are, there are great. So, and I love you for saying that because I never get to speak about him. I mean, he's the secret weapon. If I, there are a million books that are written about Rosa Parks and Dr. King and Amelia Earhart and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But what Chris's style is, as a cartoonist, because they're obviously cartoon books, is a little bit like Charlie Brown meets Calvin and Hobbes. And that's the reason kids love the books, is they're like, oh, look at that art. Tell me more about that person. And, you know, I even when he drew for I Am Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, I was like, make her smaller and make the eyeglasses even bigger. Like kids have to fall in love and realize these people are full of heart. And that's why we love all these heroes. Mr. Rogers, you know, you'll cry when you read i am mr rogers because he makes him so lovable
0: so what's the process in deciding who makes the cut i'm looking at i am dolly parton by the way loved her in that halftime show a couple of weeks ago oh my god i am muhammad ali i am oprah winfrey i am i am pay i am frida kahlo i am benjamin franklin i mean you, you got a lot of choices thank goodness but how do you decide who are you giving this treatment to?
2: Yeah. You know, in the beginning it was, it was really a fame game, right? If if I said to you, name your best people, most people would say Abraham Lincoln, Amelia, Rosa Parks, Dr. King. I mean, those are easy. When you get past the top 10, the truth is is Chris and I and our editor, we look for what the world is kind of what we need, what we want for our own kids. So for Mr. Rogers, I just was like, you know, the world is just cruel right now. We're all being cruel to each other. We need some. How do I teach my kids kindness? How do I teach my kids how to be a good neighbor? So, Mr. Rogers became a really obvious choice. Um, and for the other, you know, for the newest one, it was looking around and saying, you know, we just feel like the world doesn't seem fair anymore. It feels like the fix is in. So, how do we teach kids about injustice and how to fight for justice? So, Ruth Bader Ginsburg became okay, you can use the legal system. And it's not, there's no politics in the book. If you look, the back of the book, Sandra Day O'Connor's in there, Amy Coney's Barrett's in there, Katanji Brown Jackson's, we, we put all, we celebrate all of them. But I want to teach my daughter, you know, the, we think of Ruth Bader Ginsburg as a serious Supreme Court justice. But when she's a little girl, and that's where the book really centered, she's grown up in Brooklyn. And, you know, she just wants adventures. She wants to play tag and climb trees. But back then, girls weren't supposed to do that. Girls can't do that. They would tell her, it's her mother who breaks the stereotype takes her to the library every Friday afternoon, says you could pick out five books. And her favorite books among them were books about real people. Young Ruth Bader Ginsburg loved books about Amelia Earhart, about Harriet Tubman. And there she gets the best lesson of all, which is that there's absolutely nothing that a girl can't do. I want my daughter to have that lesson. I want my sons to have that lesson. And those lessons of fighting injustice is not something she learned in law school, but something she learned from her mom. And so each of these books is, they're not even history books, they're value books. We've lost our sense of values in America and we really got to bring those values back.
0: When I say so long to you in a moment, Brad, I'm going to open my telephone line and ask, okay, so here's the concept of this series, the Ordinary People Change the World series that Brad Meltzer and artist Christopher Eliopoulos are responsible for. If the premise is, about whom should we educate our kids, then who deserves consideration? By the way, what's the pipeline look like? Do you already know who's coming after Ruth Bader Ginsburg?
2: Yeah, I do. Jesse Owens comes next because we were looking at the Olympics and said, "Well, we're fighting Nazis still in 2024. We're still fighting Nazis. So Jesse Owens became the obvious choice.
0: I'm going to ask the audience like but, who should who should be who should be considered by Brad as he continues this franchise. So, so let's just go over some of the others who are already there. I am John Lewis. You've also got some fun stuff. I am Batman, I am Superman, right? Um Yeah, we, yeah, we did those
2: because we wanted like we wanted some fictional ones in there to show kids the power of creativity, but most of them are obviously real people.
0: Anne Frank, Leonardo Da Vinci, Walt Disney, Marie Curie um I love this because I saw her holding her book I am Billie Jean King like some of the people that you know some of the people that you provide this treatment for are still with us what has been the reaction
2: you know it's fascinating we've had uh Billie Jean King spent two hours on the phone with me making sure her book was just perfect including what color her sneakers were in every single match She, <laughs> she know um you know we've had Dolly Parton helped with hers Jane Goodall helped with hers um Sonia Sotomayor helped with hers. I mean, you know, it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter helped uh, correct hers, and Jim Henson's family and and Walt Disney, the family, uh, the uh, weighed in on it. it, and it's just been incredible. The nice part is, again, there's no politics. There are some people we still agree on, and, and and people I'm sure listening will be like, I don't like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I don't like that. Read the book, and show me. And tell me that this isn't something you'd want to give your grant. Because it's not like about, hey, here's abortion rights or not. That's nonsense. What it's about is just being a trailblazer. And the lesson of the book says, they call me a trailblazer. But the most important thing about leaving a trail is leaving tracks. That's the most important. And helping others behind you. That's what her whole book is about. Just like Sandra Day O'Connor laid those tracks for her. And is featured in the book as well. So for me... I think you got to always look around and say, you know, it's amazing to me, Michael. We never get the heroes in, 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 especially in trying moments of history. We never get the heroes we want. We get the heroes we need. And over and over, I can't know when I started writing this book uh, a year and a half ago that you know there's a huge section in there, a little part about anti-Semitism. I have no idea what's going to be happening in Israel a year and a half later. I have no idea that we can still talking to our kids about anti-Semitism, but suddenly I am Ruth Bader Ginsburg becomes a perfect way because she's taught as a young girl that hatred, like injustice, is a fracture in society. And she's taught that you got to repair those fractures. So at this time when we're all tearing down all these institutions, we tear down our politicians, we tear down our our actors, our athletes, our everything these days, you got to also, and some of them deserve it, make no mistake, But you got to also teach your kids how to build the world into a better place. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg learns that from her mother. And that's not something she learns in law school. She learns it from mom. And that's what these books are to me, is a way to teach our kids how to rebuild the world into a better place.
0: The franchise is called Ordinary People Change the World. If you go to bradmelzer.com, you're also going to learn about his very charitable streak. He and his wife, Corey salute you for that as well and I wish you good things if we come up with good suggestions I'll make sure I forward them okay
2: email them that's how we get Ruth Bader Ginsburg is the number one request we got from kids really number one bar nothing and the only one before that was Mr. Rogers and then Frida Kahlo and that's why we literally listen to people so when email you I know you and I email but like email me who people say I'm very curious to hear that's okay. how we find them
0: good luck Brad thank you for dropping by to discuss this
2: Thank you my friend. As always you are the best at research. I love it every time.
0: <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Brad Meltzer, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, TC, you ready for this? Ready. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Mr. Rogers, I am Wonder Woman. Oh. Love that as well. Love that. John Lewis. Yep. Uh Temple Grandin, Batman, Superman, Dolly Parton, Muhammad Ali. Malala Yosefazi, I think I did right with the explanation. We're
1: elevating our children.
0: Oprah Winfrey, elevating. who do you most want your kids right to learn about and to learn from and, and, Brad's, and to, to what to emulate? He's willing to, you know, write the story. Yeah. And and also to have this great artist draw it out so that the kids will be entertained.
1: Did you, pull, did you know, Like, have that notion because of your work with the political cartoonists? I think you did. Like, You recognized that that was an important part of these books. Definitely. I yeah. love this. I know you did. Yeah, it's right
0: in my wheelhouse. I know. I am Walt Disney. I am Marie Curie, love Leonardo that. da Vinci, Anne Frank, Billie Jean King, Sonia Sotomayor, Neil Armstrong, Harriet Tubman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: This is Book Club with Michael Smirconish from SiriusXM.
0: Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4.
2: Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait, a what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill?
1: program. Listen weekdays at on channel 124, and anytime on the app.
0: Well, I enjoyed having Brad Meltzer here, and you have a lot of good suggestions. So here we go, Jeffrey, Northern California. What did you want to say? Well, two things, real quick, Michael. One, I would suggest Bob Dylan for um, a book by uh, I, I, I forget his name. I'm sorry, um, Brad Meltzer. And two. Yes. And two, Michael, I just came back from three fish concerts at Madison Square Garden over New Year's and they are nothing like the Grateful Dead and I beg you to go see fish I one can't, time. I can't do it. Said, I can't do okay, it. But I Michael, I saw the dead two hundred times. But they let me let me just let like me just quickly underscore your point. You don't know this. It's funny you would bring this up. But yesterday, I went down a Bob Dylan rabbit hole before I went down a Brad Meltzer rabbit hole. And I listened to Dylan in Budokan sometime in the 1970s. And I've heard the later tapes where it's just not discernible. I don't even know what song he's singing. But this was great because this was doing this was Dylan doing all the songs that I know and everybody would know and recognize, and he sounded terrific. I better keep moving. Thank you for that. Let me go to L.A. Uh, Stephanie, who should Brad Meltzer put in his book series?
1: Uh, Dolores Huerta, the co-founder of the United Farm Workers, who is still working in her eighties every day to to uh, support the underserved. With Cesar Chavez, uh, a, teacher, a mother. Yes, yeah. She was a mother, a teacher, and uh, she was on the cover of the L.A. Times as the woman in the sweatshirt holding up the sign, Si Se Puede.
0: Well, okay. Like, I, I could say, well, yes, of course. But frankly, I didn't know that Cesar Chavez had a co-founder who exactly. was female. So, so shame on exactly. me. I didn't, I didn't know that, but that's a good name. Thank you for that. Uh, this is a name that I know. Mike is in San Antonio. Who do you want to add to the list? Hi, how you doing? I'm a retired military man, and I believe the country has forgotten what a real patriot is. And I want to nominate Audie Murphy, the most decorated soldier of all time. Plus, he was an actor. He was an advocate for the VA and for the VFW. What I remember my dad telling me about Audie Murphy, and, and you know maybe this is a little stretched, I don't know, but he said that he won like every conceivable, whatever any available commendation was, Audie Murphy won it. Or was recognized with it. Including the French Legionnaire with the from the French president. Okay, so that was true. So Dad was right. Yes sir, that's absolutely. And matter of fact, that's a real Patriot and we're using the name Patriot in the wrong too, content to too, people that don't belong. Yeah, too too loosely. Too loosely. Uh okay, Barb's got one in Atlanta, Georgia. Go ahead, Barb. Yes,
1: I think coach K should be on that list. Um, not because he was a great winning coach, but his philosophy on how to get to be a winning coach. Back when there when uh, college boys stayed for
0: 4 years, he treated all his players as family. They roomed together, they ate together, they got haircuts together. He invited them
1: to his home and his goal was to make them great men not liked, great i like i like it
0: i love the i love the suggestion that's a that's a winner uh, joe you're in arkansas greetings hello thank you Hi. for taking my
1: call um my suggestion is rachel carson um she probably has done more for protecting species and conservation
0: than most people because her research discovered the reason why so many of our Uh, raptor species, uh, bald eagle especially, were declining and uh, helped prevent their extinction. I I don't want to demean your suggestion. It's a good one. But every time I think of Rachel Carson, which is not that often, but if I hear the name, all I can think of is George Costanza. Is anybody here, or maybe it was Kramer, is anybody here a marine biologist right because wasn't she wasn't Outdoors she a marine biologist was it, it right and and oh my god it was such a great episode i shouldn't get off track uh mike you're in plano texas who are you thinking of
2: uh i'm fond of malala and i'm also very fond of uh, greta thunberg um i think these young people that are you know trying to make a difference are important and may i say one more thing real quick Go ahead. Um, your last, your last guest sort of piggybacked on uh, uh, Winston Churchill's famous line at the cocktail party when the the woman said, uh, "You're an obnoxious but, drunk," right, right? And then he then he responded with, "Yes, madam. In the morning, I'll be, I'll be
1: sober, and you'll still you'll be still ugly, be ugly."
0: Stuff. Right? Yes. Yeah. Wh- whack whack.
1: So, I remember
0: the line. Thank you for that. Uh, Cameron, Boca Raton, Florida, who are you thinking of?
1: Hi, Michael. I think we need another LGBTQ person in there, so I would nominate Harvey Milk.
0: Can I recommend and put on everybody's radar screen, if you should, if you should fly through San Francisco in the new terminal, there is a Harvey Milk exhibition that is worthy now when you get off your plane you're you're going in the you're going in the wrong direction but if you're catching your flight in the new terminal in san francisco spend some time and check it out it is really worthy
1: Hear more of Michael Smirconish on SiriusXM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SiriusXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide
2: at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help.